disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near a field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not have to be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We should worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I have ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you. Lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here 
is the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So the Samaritans came to him. They asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. And this is the word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. Asking to hear from you tonight, Lord. May you speak to us. May you come to us as Jesus came to the woman at the well. May you expose whatever sin that we are dealing with in our life, that we may mortify it through the power of the Holy Spirit and sanctification. May we come away from here encouraged to go and tell people where to find water, living water, that wells up to eternal life. May those that are here who have not believed, may they believe and turn to Christ. May those who are here that do believe be encouraged to tell others of Christ. I pray all in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. What would you do if a stranger came up to you and started a conversation? What would you do if you thought this stranger had no right or reason to be talking to you? How would you react if he began asking you questions and telling you things that only you would know? What would you do if this stranger revealed that he is the Savior of the world? The truth is, Christian, this has happened to you. We serve a God who has pursued us. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five years, for ten years, for twenty years, for fifty years, or as long as you can remember. God in Christ came to you, a stranger, sat down, and had a conversation with you. He told you all that you've ever done. You may have been minding your own business, going about your day, and suddenly this man came up to you and spoke words of life to you. Your ears, your eyes, and your heart was open, and you believed. And then, you didn't just stay there, you began to tell others. In our text today, we see a discussion that takes place between a woman of Samaria and Jesus. This woman came to this well to draw water. This was something that she has done every day. But this afternoon was different. There was a man there, a Jew, it was Jesus, And he started a conversation with her that would forever change her life. As we walk through this text today, we're going to think of three words. Seek, show, and share. We see that Jesus seeks sinners. He sought you. He pursued you. And when he finds you, he shows you your sin. And when he calls a sinner who is his out on their sin... The sinner has nothing to do but go and share this good news. Here's a little bit of background to this text. In the previous chapter, Jesus was in Judea. 
He was there with his disciples, and his disciples were baptizing, although it says that Jesus himself was not baptizing. And there was a discussion that occurred about whose baptism was right, John's or this baptism that his disciples were doing. But John, the Baptist, said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And after this, Jesus leaves Judea and heads to Galilee. But the passage says he must go through Samaria. This was the shortest route geographically, but keep in mind the sovereignty of God and his divine appointments. He had to pass through Samaria. And here we see Jesus as we pick up in verse 5. Verse 5 says, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob, that had been given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Here we see Jesus wearied from his journey. We often forget that although Jesus is fully God, he is also fully man. He got tired, he became hungry, he had to eat, he had to rest. And this was the sixth hour, which was the middle of the day. It was the hottest time of the day. And verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans? Jesus is sitting there by the well. His disciples had gone off to get food. They would come back later and see this interaction, and we'll talk about that a little later. But here we see Jesus resting, just sitting there, and along comes this woman. She is minding her own business, again, doing what she's done every day, getting water from this well in the middle of the day. And this stranger says to her, give me a drink. Jesus, talking to her, is breaking all sorts of social, social norms. As the text says, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Samaritans were Jews who also had Assyrian blood. They were seen as outcasts by the standard of the Jews. Also, men did not typically talk to women in the middle of the day who weren't their wives. But here, Jesus does not seem to care. This woman comes to get water, and he asks her for a drink. Jesus is seeking her as a shepherd pursues their sheep. Although, as he says later, salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is not just for the Jews. It is for all who believe. People from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has come and pursued you in this way. He loves you too much to let you keep minding your own business. He goes out of his way and he sits next to you. In God's sovereignty, he had to come to where you were to bring you to himself. Verse 10 continues, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, for the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give to him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water again. We are familiar with John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. 
Jesus, the very gift of God, is talking to this Samaritan woman. She cannot see it yet. She does not see she needs living water that wells up to eternal life. According to Wikipedia, the Fountain of Youth, a mythical spring, allegedly restores youth of anyone who drinks or bathes in its waters. Tales of such a fountain have been recounted around the world for thousands of years. Stories of similar waters also featured prominently among the people of the Caribbean during the Age of Exploration. They've spoken of restorative waters that can give you life and make you young again. And explorers tried to find these magical waters. The fountain of youth is a myth. It's not real. Brothers and sisters, Jesus gives us the waters of eternal life that is real. It is living waters. We freely come to him so we may never thirst again. We may physically thirst, but spiritually we will drink living water. This water does not return youth to us, but it gives us eternal, everlasting life. In Revelation 21.6, John writes, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. We drink from the living water of Jesus Christ, and we keep coming back for more, knowing we have eternal life. We come back to his word and see his promises that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. We come to the source of life and receive eternal life. As a tree planted by streams of flowing water, so Jesus continues to satisfy the believer. And we do not pay for this water. Jesus paid to give us this water. He paid with his life. He paid with his death on the cross. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Yet this woman does not see this living water and why she needs it yet. She keeps thinking in terms of her physical need. She's thinking in terms of having to come to this well in the hottest time of the day just to draw water. She does, however, begin to want the water Jesus offers. But again, this seems to be only because she doesn't want to come to draw the water herself in the middle of the hot sun on the scorching day. It is great that she now asks for the water, yet her motives aren't quite right. So now we have that Jesus shows her her sin. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Go call your husband. Here we find out a little more of why this woman is coming at the hottest time of the day to draw water. She doesn't have a husband. Jesus knows this. He knows she has had five husbands. And now the man she is with is not her husband. They aren't married. This is sin. This is adultery. The whole town would have known she's an adulterer. She comes to the well at this time to avoid the shame of the people seeing her. The people would have been getting water at cooler parts of the day. But she comes at the hottest time of the day to avoid them. But this day was different. Jesus was there. He shows her. He exposes her sinful heart. The offer of water that would quench all thirst intrigued her because she no longer wanted to come draw water at the sixth hour. She no longer wanted to come at an hour that she was to come and avoid her guilt 
and her shame. She was avoiding people because of her sin. But Jesus speaks truth to her. He knows her, and he loves her enough to call her out and expose her sin. Yet, he doesn't condemn her. He's gentle with her. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go to this well. He knows this woman was coming to this well. He seeks her, knowing she is a sinner. Yet Jesus, the Son of God, talks to her. Brothers and sisters, Jesus comes to you in your sin. You didn't seek him first. Jesus seeks and saves those who are lost. You were lost. He seeks those who are his. Brothers and sisters, you are his. He shows you your sin. He did not call, come to call the righteous to repentance. But sinners, this is you. This is me. He says, go call your husband. Go call your wife. Maybe that relationship you're in needs to be called out. Maybe that thing you've been doing needs to be called out. Maybe the thoughts you have need to be called out. Maybe Jesus is saying, tell me what you're thinking. Maybe he's saying, tell me what you're reading. Tell me what you're watching. How does this woman respond? Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must in spirit and truth. She now starts to see this Jewish man who knows all about her. He must be a prophet. He must be a man of God. He knows her sin in detail. Some scholars say her response here, she's trying to change the conversation about asking where to worship. But let's consider her now seeing Jesus as a prophet. She's asking the man of God a very important question. Both the Jews and the Samaritans worshipped. What she believes about worshipping God as a Samaritan is a mixture. Samaritans followed some Jewish traditions, but they also had some pagans worship mixed in. They did not really know the God who were they to worship. They worshipped, as Jesus said, what they did not know. But Jesus, being born a Jew, was part of the community that was given the oracles, the promises, the covenants, the traditions. The Jews worshipped what they knew. And salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is promised to come through the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, all the way to Jesus. And this woman, being called out on her sin, is asking the prophet of God where she is to worship. Where she can offer worship to God, the God that she offended with her sin. And Jesus tells her that God is spirit. God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. And he is the seeker. Again, we see that this Jesus is seeking this woman. God is seeking those to worship him. Not just going through rituals or traditions, but true worship in spirit and truth. Many today, even Christians, think if I pray this prayer, if I read this passage, if I go to the Lord's Day service, I'll be good with God. 
I can stay in this sinful relationship I, if I just worship the right way. I can keep on sinning as long as I go to service on Sunday. That's a trap. It's not about rituals. It's about worshiping in spirit and truth with a changed heart. We can't just say, well, I sinned yesterday, so I'll pray extra today and I'll be forgiven. That's works-based. That's Roman Catholicism. That's saying ten Hail Marys to be forgiven. That's a false gospel. But we must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus says that the Father is seeking those to worship him in spirit and truth. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the minds on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You must be born again. You must be born of the spirit. This woman was being drawn by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. She has shown her sin. She begins to ask right questions about worship. Now she goes a little further with her, with her response. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She knows the Messiah is coming. The Samaritans did have writings of Moses and the prophets. They were taught enough to know the Messiah, the chosen one of God, was coming. He would tell them all things concerning God. He would bring light to the darkness and bring truth. He would be the savior of the world. And yes, he has come. Jesus says to her what, what he did not say much during his ministry. He did not answer her with a parable or a hidden saying. Even the disciples, Jesus asked who they thought he was. But here, he reveals himself directly to this woman, this sinful woman. He says, I who speak to you am he. This woman was waiting for the Christ. And here, Christ comes directly to her. He had to go through Samaria. He talks with her. He speaks of the living waters only he can offer. He knows and shows her her sin, calling it out. And here, he draws her to himself by the Spirit. He reveals himself to her in his own words. I who speak to you am he. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has come. He's telling you all things. He has spoken to you. He continues to speak to you in his word. He shows you your sin. He grants you repentance and faith. He's giving you living waters that will never run dry. Take. Drink. He is worthy. We need to worship. Verse 27. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. The disciples returned, see Jesus speaking to this woman. They found it strange that they chose not to say anything. I'm sure they probably wanted to. This was unusual for them, a Jewish man, especially Jesus, speaking with a Samaritan woman. But I believe they made the wise choice to remain silent. 
The woman now leaves her water jar there. The reason she came to the well in the first place. She came out of town to get water, and now she leaves her water jar there. And now, here's the other word, the last word, shares. Now she shares with the people. She says, come, see a man who told me all that I did. The sinful woman who was going to the well at the sixth hour, the hottest time of the day, to avoid people, is now going into town to tell the very people she was avoiding to come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Come, see a man. Come, see this prophet of God. Could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah? The one we've been waiting for? Who does this? Who goes from avoiding people because of your sin to now going to those people you're avoiding and saying, come, see a man? A changed person does this. A person who has been born again by the Spirit of God. A person who has met Jesus Christ, the Messiah. When the truth of Jesus Christ changes us, we feel the need to go and share with everyone. We need to tell our friends. We need to tell our neighbors, our, friend, our family. We need to even tell strangers, come, see a man who told me all that I have done. He is the Christ. He lived. He died. He rose for me. He's given me living waters. Come, see him, unbeliever. Come, see him. He has a drink for you. A drink that you will drink and never be thirsty again. Living water. Brothers and sisters, what is stopping you from being like this woman? Because she told people, the text says, they went out of the town and were coming. This simple proclamation of the Messiah from this sinful woman brought people out of the town to come and see. Let us not underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in our evangelism. You can share the gospel. This is good news. You've been changed. You know how to do this. You share good news all the time. I'm sure you tell people where to get a deal. If you got a deal at the supermarket, two-for-one deal, you're going to tell somebody. Nowadays, I'm sure you're telling people where they can save two cents on gas. This is good news. We're saving. But tell them of the Messiah that has called you out on your sin because you know where you can get living water. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here, the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I say you to reap what you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. The disciples, again, were just concerned with the physical needs of Jesus. Their teacher needed to eat. But Jesus explained to them his food is to do the will of his Father. He is to seek and save those who are his. His food is to harvest a crop of souls for eternal life. Seeds have been planted by the prophets of the Old Testament, coming up to John the Baptist. Now the harvest is coming. As Jesus preaches, the people were coming from the town where the testimony of the woman was shared. And Jesus tells them, as these, as these people are coming, 
Lift up your eyes. This is the field that is white for harvest. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice as the harvest comes to us. Brothers and sisters, we enter into the labor of others. Gospel seeds continue to be planted. And we are to go and continue to water, to preach, to harvest, to bring souls into the kingdom of God. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. May we pray for more workers. The Father is speaking through the Spirit in the proclamation of his word. Salvation is of the Lord. And we all have the honor to harvest the crops together. What a privilege it is to enter the labor of our master. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. A sinful woman who this town knew was sinful. She goes to the people she was trying to avoid, and she tells them, Come, see a man who told me all that I have ever done. And the people listen to her, and they come. And they believe in him, at first, because of her testimony. Brothers and sisters, we are sinners. If you've come to Christ, he has told you all that you have ever done. He knows your sin. He knows what you continue to struggle with. Perhaps you've believed because somebody else told you. Maybe somebody did come and tell you, come, see a man. Perhaps they told you they met somebody at a well, on a street corner, reading a tract on a college campus, at a church service, and how he spoke the proclamation of the gospel. Perhaps a person told you that you are a sinner and you need the Messiah. Perhaps you were told Jesus lived a perfect, righteous life, a life you were called to live, yet you cannot. And the penalty of an unrighteous, sinful life is death. Perhaps you were told the rest of the story, that Jesus took that death and suffered hell on the cross for you, in your place. Then he rose from the grave and he will return. If you believe, you will not perish, but you will be given everlasting life. You can drink from the water that wells up to eternal life and never, never thirst again. Brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you have drank this water. You have eternal life. I urge you, in response to this truth, go to the highways and the byways, wherever you're at, in your work. Tell people, come, see a man who told me all that I've ever done. People believe because of this woman's testimony. Now, you may not see fruit right away, but they will believe. Because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not our own testimony. We can use what God has done in our lives. We can tell them to come see a man. But we need to continue to trust in the sovereignty of God. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He could have went around. could have went other ways. But he had to go to that well. He had to go to that woman. And because he did, we know this story. We know how it ended. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts to believe we are born again. And we continue to come, seek him in his word, 
We come, read the scriptures, study the scriptures. We come to the Lord's Day service to be reassured of our salvation. If you hear anything today, hear this. Christ has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. You are assured of your salvation. He knows your sin. He knows my sin. We all know our own sin. Yet, he comes to you. He speaks to you. He tells you what you've done. And somehow, he still loves us. That's good news. That's the gospel. That's what we should be sharing. Come see a man who loves me despite of all that I've done to dishonor him, to sin against him. Come see this man who died for me on the cross. A death that I deserve. Come see a man. That man's Jesus Christ. There's no other man that is ever like him. God in flesh dying for our sins, for rebel sinners, those who rebelled against him. And coming to him is an act of worship. We worship now in spirit and truth. Now we believe because Jesus speaks to us. Jesus continues to teach us. And I pray that those here who haven't believed that your hearts are open, that the Holy Spirit will change your heart. That we can say that I no longer believe because somebody else told us, but because Jesus himself, the Messiah, speaks the word to us. We can say with confidence, Jesus indeed is the Savior of the world. He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Have you come? Have you seen? Have you drank from living waters? Taste and see. The wells of this world will dry up. Whatever source of life you're going to apart from Christ will never fully satisfy. You can try, you can try to fill your cup with whatever, but at the end of the day, it's just like drinking from the ocean. It will never satisfy your thirst like Jesus Christ. Come see a man who told me everything that I've done. He knows what I've done and he still died for me. Then go and tell others. Jesus sits next to you. He shows you your sin. He gives you living waters, grace that wells up to eternal life. There's nothing to stop you from leaving all that you have, from leaving your water pot there and telling everybody, come see a man. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you, verse 42 ends, and we say this in full confidence, we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Jesus seeks the sinner, shows you your sin. He saves you, and now you go share the good news with everyone who you can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you had to go to that well and that this story was written down for us, this true event that happened. May we be encouraged by this. May we know that you seek us, Lord. It's not us that seek you. Even as believers, you continually seek us. May we believe when our belief is weak, help our unbelief. But give us the boldness and the courage and most of all the love to go tell the world, come see a man who told me all that I've done, still died for me, and he's coming again, and we are part of the kingdom of light, and they can be too. Lord, continue to save. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Let us continue.